Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Design Intervention Podcast, a fashion and design podcast hosted by two professionals in the industry. Hi, I'm Susan. And I'm Nicole. This week, we will be talking about where we both are years after starting in the children's wear industry. So I think that uh, a lot of our listeners have known that we, um, our last company that we worked in, the one I'm presently working at, uh, we worked there both at the same time. Um, I'm currently still there. Nicole, I know that you have uh, left that and we'll get into where, why and where you are. Um, And I've been doing this for 30 years, uh, designing and really loving the whole process loving each season. We're going to be starting spring soon. And I just loved that portion of it. People ask me, oh, you're, you're a children's wear designer. That must be so exciting. And I always explain to everybody that it's still a job. It's still work. So it's 10% creative and 90% paperwork. So yes, for each beginning season, I love creating. I love, you know, looking at the colors and the different designs and the whole process. It's, as the season goes on, there's so many people at this point that need to be in the approval process that it really becomes a little more difficult. Um, I've been doing this uh, process and now thinking about, you know, where, what my goals are and what my future will look like as I continue doing this. And any ideas? uh, I do, you know, I, I really, I love designing, I love creating. Uh, I think that there's so many outlets that can lead to so many other things. There's so many people that blog. There's so many people that do take their creativity. I, I love to repurpose and do other projects on my own with furniture and with um, a lot of repurposing on, on apparel on my own. So I have an outlet outside of work that is maybe, yeah, that's that's creative. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where that will take me. I think that it's important to always, you know, um, investigate that, that end. So, you know, we, I think that we had explained the last time how you had helped me get into the company that I am in now. Um, And now you're no longer there with me. And maybe you want to just share that a little about where you are now. So I think for me, when I went to this company, the last one in the end, it really felt like I demoted myself and I didn't intentionally do that. I think that when I got hired there, the position wasn't clearly explained and I wound up being back at a senior design level when I was before that more of a merchandiser and directing other people. And I had artists underneath me and I had final artists and everything. And it was like a team of like eight to 10 at any point. But then when I went to that last stop, it kind of was like I went there, I had no one, I had no artist, no assistant, nothing. And I built myself up to that at the end, but it still felt like a demotion. It didn't feel like I had furthered my career. And I think Uh, that that company in in particular hires a lot of senior people and then because they come in, yeah. Well, they come in with their knowledge and their know-how um, I'm in a similar situation there. I came from a company where I was the head of the of a brand 
and really the design manager. I was directing a, a team. And again, currently where, where I am as well, I really face the same exact things that you're saying and expressing yeah. right now. So I think that's part of the problem in the industry. I think that you can rise to a certain level and yeah, depending on your circumstances, right. Or depending on, you know, listen, any of these companies, it's a little unstable depending on if they lose a, uh, a brand or a label or they switch management. In, in my case, you are really at the mercy of the next company you go to and what what um, jobs they have available. So yeah, you, you can rise to a certain point, but I've seen it time and time again, where you have design directors or merchandisers and they're now working as designers, just depending on their circumstances. And I think that the other thing that we should just say is that there is always a risk when you do take that jump that it's not going to work out. And sometimes <laughs> you may talk yourself into a position that for whatever reason doesn't work out and you could get fired. So yeah. I've seen many people who have, you know, were at where the last stop was and literally one of the merchandising senior designers left and took another position and got a huge raise and only lasted four months before she was let go. And it kind yeah. of just yeah. makes you reevaluate whether when you're at the end, if it's worth leaving or not, or if you want to stay. Well, I think a lot has to do also, it's not about also about your talent or your skill or even your experience sometimes it matters about the people you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. If they feel threatened or if you fall into the correct um, job title and uh, you know, it's a sink or swim type of industry. And a lot has to do with not only just your skill set, but how you navigate. And it's a lot of psychology and who you align mm -hmm. yourself with. Yeah. There's a lot of that in there. And I think that just, I think that's really um it's really true in the fashion industry, regardless if it's children's or women's or juniors, there is a certain culture of, of that there. And yeah. sometimes it's not so nice. Right. So going back for me, it was actually when I was only three years out of school that I realized I do not want to do this forever. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was obsessed. We had just bought the house. I was obsessed with watching HGTV and Kansas Olsen. And I realized at that point with design, uh, designing, I forget what the hell the name was, but that point was when I realized I want to be an interior designer. <laughs> so then I went and I signed up at the local community college and I started taking classes at night and it literally took me four years, but they took a majority of my classes from FIT. And then I wound up getting an associate's degree four years later, which led to me getting my foot in the door and being able to become an adjunct professor. So I won't go into too much details, but I'm only mentioning that because that was back in like 2004. Fast forward to 1990, I guess, no, 2018 was uh -huh. when I left. So in March of 2019, I left my last position in the children's industry and I decided that I had this degree for the past 15 years or whatever it that was and, and I never did any, anything right. yeah I didn't do anything with it but that's okay you you went and that's a huge that is a huge accomplishment accomplishment on its own that you would be working full-time raising your family 
and then going back to school for an additional associate's degree in a related design field. Yeah. So I pretty much for a year while I was still at the last job, I freelanced for a company called Havenly and I did computerized interior design just to get myself back into it. I worked with clients virtually. They were anywhere from California to Florida. So I kind of got experience through that. And then I finally took the leap in uh, three years ago, pretty much. So Mm -hmm. at that point, I was out for about a month. And then because the thing that happened to me was I was so used to that paycheck every week that it was, or every two weeks, it was very difficult for me to rely on myself. So I wound up taking a position at a furniture store. Yeah, it's listen, that's not that is no joke. You, we get paid well in this industry. Yeah. um, By the time you are seasoned at a certain level, and to leave a job, and an industry, it's it can be a little unsettling. So I think what you did was pretty practical. Yeah. So after a month, I took a job and it was at Bassett. They had design consultant positions. So of course I did the test and within like a couple months, I became a design consultant. So I had clients and I would design using the products from Bassett. And it was a great learning experience. I stayed there probably 11 months, probably a little longer than I should have. But I learned so much about furniture, about the psychology, about how people come in and what they're and looking selling. for. And they really like, exactly. The selling was yeah. huge because it was commission-based. So if right. you didn't make your month, then you didn't get paid well. Oh, I don't think I could do that. I think that would be just too stressful for me. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> funny because there was actually two, which we should have them on because we're going to get into this, but we're going to start having guests. But we, there were two designers at Bassett who actually came from the children's industry. That's amazing. And both I, were yeah. doing extremely well. Like, Isn't so that amazing? Well. I, yeah. I guess there's, I always look, look I love to hear those stories because I mm-hmm. say to myself, oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it's so funny because that's what we're going to start to see is how people pivoted. And what I know, I have friends that went into Unix design. I have a friend who, with her daughter, started a shampoo, like hair product company. Right. There are so many people. Oh, and absolutely. I've had a, we yeah. have that. It's like amazing. Yeah. And we both do. know because we're both in the industry, they're mutual friends. So exactly. both Nicole and I are friends with both, you know, with all of them. So Anyone that she's mentioning now, I know as well, because the industry is, it it can be fairly small. So, you know, you know, the players. (laughs) Right. So once I left, I stayed there for about 11 months. Then I went to a design position that was in a paint store that had a design studio. It was a lot of Hunter Douglas products. It was a lot of, uh, it was the early stages. So a lot of paint consultations, window treatments, custom furniture. So I learned that a lot of wallpaper also. Right. And what I learned specifically is I do not enjoy that whole 90% that is the ordering, the processing, the following up, the furniture damages like Bassett. Well, I think that as good I think as that, quality, yeah. there was damages. Right. So I think that as creatives, it's, it's really hard. We, it's a discipline. It's something mm-hmm. to learn um, because we like to create and we don't want to mm-hmm. think about the ordering or the returns or, or all of that. And so you were in put into an uncomfortable place, but from being uncomfortable, you grew. 
Exactly, because I realized what parts of it I enjoyed and what parts I didn't want. And to have my own business as an interior designer on my own, I would have to, unless I hired someone right away to do all the bookkeeping, because the bookkeeping that's involved in interior design is beyond anything that I'm skilled at, because that's not my superpower, you know, keeping up with numbers and keeping up with how much you're charging because a a lot of the background is it is you're basically like a furniture salesperson you're that middle person in between so you're dealing with the damages you're up in the price so then you have to pay sales tax on it it's just so much paperwork right so I think it comes back to what I just said a little while ago you when people ask oh you're a designer Mm -hmm. so with any type of creative it's not just creating it's 10 percent creative and 90% paperwork. And it's yeah, the follow up, it's doing that, all of that. I never thought of it that way yeah. in the children's industry. I always mm-hmm. just thought of it as Groundhog Day was what I didn't like. And <laughs> no. it just, I always thought that the reason why I didn't like designing clothes was because it was always spring fall, spring fall. It was always like the same thing right. over. How do you reinvent the wheel? But in my head, interior design was creating new designs and none of them would be repeated and none would be different, uh, the same. And they would be with different clients. But at the end of the day, it's 90% paperwork and stuff I don't want to do. Well, you know, and I think it's, it's really important. I think as creatives to find that place. Like I know that when I had my second child and I went out freelance and you you were the one who really geared me towards that. um, I'm going to say 18 years ago when, after I had my second child and I didn't want to be coming into the city and leaving two babies at home. And you said to me, hey, Susan, why don't you freelance? And 18 years ago, the industry was very, very different. And there was there was so many more possibilities to do freelance. And of course, you know, as we you know, as our friendship, Nicole says, hey, Susan, do this. And I say, "Okay, (laughs) it sounds like a good idea. But it was really a fabulous idea because I did something too 18 years ago that you did three years ago, I quit my job and I went out and I freelanced and eight and 16 years later, I then pivoted into another full-time job, but it was, it was so successful for me while raising my children. Yeah. And the other thing, so knowing, having done the whole freelance stint, because remember when I was back before I went to HIS and I was at Children's Apparel, when I was at Children's Apparel, I was really freelance four days. So I had the whole part of keeping track of all the expenses and the whole quarterly paying of the taxes. And so I just want to bring up the fact that when you do have your own LLC or you do freelance, you have to pay quarterly taxes. So four times a year, you're paying taxes. You have to keep track of all your expenses, all your bills so that you can write that off. It's a lot of work and a lot of paperwork. And that's why I wound up taking the position at HIS on salary because I just was done with the write-offs and spending so that I could write it off and that mindset. It's a, it's a part-time job on it into itself. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of creatives out there that are hired on a freelance basis that have to contend with, with the whole process that you're talking about right now. Yeah. So that was a lot. So having done that already, having done the whole work by the hour, having done the whole pay the taxes, having done the whole, having your own business, but really having a cap on it because there's only so many hours in the day and there's only so much that you can do. 
I knew that now in interior design, having my own design firm or my own interior design business is not something end goal. What I'm doing right now is charging people by the project. So basically they'll come to me. It's almost like I'm their design bestie. So -hmm. they pay an upfront fee for a certain amount of hours, whether it's five hours or 10 hours, whatever it is. And then basically I'm on call. So I have two clients. You're providing service. Yeah. That they call me. They're picking their knobs. They didn't know where to find them right away. I found them because I'm great at sourcing. And they're like, wow, when they (laughs) sent me the picture, the the chairs, I'm like, those are Tove. I know her. She has a partnership with Tove. And right away I found them and they're like, oh my goodness. Like they would have spent hours searching on the internet, trying to find it. Let me tell you something, Nicole. I really consulted with Nicole when I wanted to redo my living room. And yesterday I had a few I kept it very small, a few neighbors that came by and again, complimented me on my living space. And I said, my friend, Nicole, she is an interior designer and she worked on the color scheme and the layout and all of that. But you had the eye to come in and take all of the pieces that needed to be and make them cohesive. As a designer, I don't do interiors, but you have that special knack to be able to come in and look at a space differently and do that. Right. So what I realized is I like the beginning process of picking all the pretty stuff. Yeah. And and then I had to order it. Exactly. (laughs) And then that's what I'm doing even with these clients. I'll help you. I'll design it for you. I'll help find it for you. However, you're going to have to order it. You're going to have to follow up. If there's anything damaged, you're going to have to call the company directly because that's right, not right. my superpower and something right. I want to do. If you need me to come back in after it's all been delivered and help you put it all together, I'm your girl. Right. But that minutia so, in the beginning, in the, I mean, in the middle, not interested. Well, I think that's also too what we deal with in the children's wear industry where you know, you do all this design at the beginning of the season and then it becomes the paperwork and the changing and, and yeah, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. And by the time a season is over, you have such burnout because you have to design and redesign and redesign again and re re organize and it goes on and on and on. And And so when I was checking the paperwork, I always felt like I'm trying to find the mistakes Like that basically is how I felt anytime I was checking the paperwork because the end of the day, I knew it was on me. Like I wasn't going to blame anybody else. So I had to find if there was something wrong to make sure that it came out right. Absolutely. And I think in in a way as a creative, it it affects your creativity because I know that I need in creating, I just need time. I need time to process and to think. And then you're constantly, you know, even you might be, I might be designing spring. However, I am following up on holiday samples and I'm, I'm following up on fall lab dip approvals. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, so you, you are constantly almost in three seasons at once, yeah. you know, where you're creating one, you're making samples for another and maybe doing production on another. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, you have to really stay organized yeah. um, and allow for a certain time to to have that creativity or else, you know, it's, it's, it's a juggle. I think it's a juggle. So I think that we should go into, because COVID, and I know a lot of people have complained about it and they have not had a great year, 
But honestly, for COVID, uh, for me, COVID was a blessing. I had so much growth from just what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. I wound up being let go from that, uh, for the design position that was more paint consultation and window treatments only after a month of being there because of COVID and they shut right. down the design uh, departments. And basically what that allowed me to do is I was home. I went online because I mentioned about the teaching. I went and I realized that I was still listed as an adjunct professor on the website. So I said That's to myself, amazing. yeah, like, let me put in my availability and see if I get contacted. And right. do you know that in August, they contacted me a week before the semester was starting. <laughs> I wound up t- picking up three classes that were Zoom classes, which was fabulous. And it was two in FBM that was accessories for home furnishings and for apparel. And then it was one that was in customer service, which I had that background from being at Bassett. Which is amazing. Like you really took all of your past experiences and it's never, and I'll always say this to somebody, any type of experience that you will learn something from it. You should never regret that. It's always a learning experience and you will at some point grow from it or come back to it. Right. So I wound up going there and I wound, well, not going there, but I wound up getting that opportunity. So I taught for four months, which was fabulous. That that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for COVID. COVID. And then I've been blogging consistently and I'm really obsessed with that. And I really enjoy it because it's a creative outlet. So I'm not a hundred percent sure where this is going to go, but I do it consistently every single day. No, And you have the time. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be my future. Because honestly, I believe that the whole online marketing and business and selling courses, I just believe that that's the future. And a lot of people are not spending the thousands of dollars to go back to school at this point, but they'll spend $30 or $97 or $200 to take a course online that's basically modules that go through how to do a skill that someone else is selling that they have. And I believe that that's the future. I think that it's going to be self-learning, self-development. And I just am jumping on that bandwagon and seeing where it goes. I think you see a lot of that. I think COVID was, um, you know, I think a lot of people suffered through that. I, you know, I feel for, for anyone who. Um, and you got to work from home. From yeah. COVID, so, which was beautiful. Yeah. So in March, I uh, worked from home full time. And to not have to do the hour and a half commute each way it freed up so much time. It freed up 15 additional hours a week for me. And I did not squander those hours. I utilized that for my design and for my creative process for myself. And I grew immensely during COVID times. We now, as one of the only industries that's not um, essential workers have been called back to the office. And so I find that a little you know, off-putting. Um, I've been called into four days. Some companies have required their employees five days. I can very well do my job very easily from home through my computer. But a lot of these companies are insisting that their workers come back into the office. I think it's a control thing. Mm-hmm. I think that they want to have control of what their workers are doing, how they're doing it, and I think, and, and I think that's one of the problems in this industry is um, they had an opportunity to be a little progressive, and I think they failed at 
looking at seeing that opportunity. And so, yes, it's hands-on at times. I need to see fabrics. I need to see lab dips. I need to look, work at fit samples. But I also think that um, when you allow your employee to have a flexibility to say, okay, I understand you need to come into the office. You come in two days, three days, come in when you have meetings instead of making it this mandatory set time. And Mm. so I think that, I think they failed as an industry to really rise with the, with the times. I I really do. That commute is just, I remember the commute, Mm -hmm. it was draining. So basically my commute, it used to be an hour both ways. It's still two hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. If I wasn't productive, there were times that, you know, I was tired and I would fall asleep on the train ride home. Right. That literally wipes you out. But what I found is if you stay up during that train ride and you're productive and you're doing and you're continuing, you don't have that same drag when you get home. If you fall asleep on that train going in or coming home, (laughs) that's it's a totally different day. (laughs) Oh, I have a whole plan. I, I really appreciated that time at home. And so when I was called back and I had to now commute back, I was not going to lose those hours. And I bring my lap, my laptop mm-hmm. goes into my bag and I use it on the way um, into the office and coming home. I make sure that I utilize my time coming home. I really do not take my time for granted. It's yeah. really important. And I think that one of the funny things that I, well, not funny, but one of the things that I realized towards the end of my career in the children's industry was that everybody had something else that they Mm. were aspiring to do. You had someone who was a health coach. You had someone who was doing side acting on the side. Someone was doing comic books. Then other people were, I mean, you had a furniture business. At one point I had Mm -hmm. a bow business where I was doing hair bows. Every single person has that side hustle because I don't think anyone trusts the industry enough to believe that it is long-term. There's no pension. There's no retiring from it. And it's not stable at times. Listen, in this COVID time, there's so many retailers that have gone out of business and the same amount of manufacturers. Mm -hmm. And so think about that. They are now competing for smaller, you know, retail space. So, Mm -hmm. so now you have you know, all these businesses make, you know, needing to, to meet these business needs and not as many retailers out there. So I think that, you know, as a creative, and I think what you were saying about the side hustle, we, we all, and that's what I love about it. I don't necessarily, I think there's a lot to be, to, that they could improve in this industry. The one thing that I am forever grateful in this industry are the people and the friends that oh, I've met. Oh my goodness. That's... The creative people that I've met, like you, you've become, you know, a bestie. You're my lifeline. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like and, and, right. And all the people around us. And I really cherish that because I, that is where I met all my creative friends and people mm-hmm. that I, really speak to me that I can, they're on my level. And so to me, that was invaluable. It was priceless. Yeah. That was exactly. the most. Yeah amazing part I think we have to think of a positive on it (laughs) yes so segueing from that Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that we're going to start to do is bring on our friends that we've met through the industry some that we both know some that 
we have just cross paths with and it's right. really going to start getting good because they're going to have different perspectives I mean my entire Absolutely. career pretty much for the most part was at family-owned companies mm-hmm. so I have that experience but I don't really have an experience at corporate so we're going to have right. people on that have so many different ideas and Absolutely. inspiration and insight and it's going to be it- amazing I think with that, it'll give it a wider range of knowledge for our listeners, which yes. I'm really excited for as well. I think that that's great. So, yes. you know, so I think- with that, <laughs> we want to say thank you for so much for joining us this week. We're super excited to bring the process yes. of bringing our guests on to further provide insight about their experiences. We have a great, amazing lineup for you that's going to be so inspiring. And we do hope that you come back and join us next week. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to us this week and hope that you'll join us next. Yes, have a great week. Okay, bye. Bye.